part of that storm? Going for days without food because you're throwing everything overboard that's not nailed down? That is a scary storm. And this is how Paul starts heading to Rome. Remember, Paul's been wanting to go to Rome. In Acts chapter 23, God tells him he's going to go to Rome. And this is not how he planned on going to Rome. He's in prison, on a ship, in a storm. This is not how he envisioned it. As he's heading to Rome, we do see that Julius, uh, the, the one in charge of getting Paul to Rome, has given Paul a lot of freedoms that he probably hasn't had in quite some time. He's still on house arrest there on a boat. But um, he's got quite a bit of freedom. He even lets Luke go with him on this journey. That's one of the reasons we have such a vivid description of this event in Paul's life because Luke was allowed to go with him. As they travel to Rome. And as they go on this journey, I see that Paul has told them not to go on this journey. Um, the Bible mentions that it was during the time of the fast, so it's probably referencing the Day of Atonement, which would put it in late September, early October, depending on the year. Remember, they follow a lunar calendar so their calendar doesn't match up with our calendar so late september early october which is a dangerous time of year to be on the mediterranean there's a lot of storms there everybody who lives in the area knows there's a lot of storms that's like saying it's hot in august well of course it is We live outside the gates of hell. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry. We live in Laughlin. (laughs) It's hot here. We know it's going to be hot here. So we make plans. We don't, you know, we make sure our air conditioners are working. We make sure the church's air conditioners are working. We make plans not to be outside running at 130 degree temperatures. We make plans. They know it's not a good time to be out on the Mediterranean, but they want to go anyways. And so they get on the Mediterranean, and they travel with their prisoner, and they head to Phoenix, not Arizona. And and a whirlwind of wind and typhoon winds come up, sweep them off course. Some 475 miles they get blown off course. Now think about that. This is a time before navigational instruments and GPS. Most of them would have kept the shore in eyesight so you know where you're at. And this storm is so bad that the, they, they don't have the sun. To, they don't know which way is north or south or east or west. You can't judge it by this. You can't see the stars. You're lost. And they're out there on this boat. They've thrown everything that's not nailed down off of it to keep it afloat. So they're hungry, lost, 
way off course. And Paul gets to say, well, I told you so. (laughs) But he says, with hope, none of our lives are going to be lost. Take hope. That's a scary time. As I was reading this passage, I know there's several things I could have preached on, but what kept coming, what God kept bringing back into my mind was the idea of suffering. Suffering, as we go through storms in our lives, suffering. There's not a person in this room who has not felt suffering at some point. And some of it are things that are our own problems, like, you know, like these guys got on the ship even though everyone said not to. It was the consequences of their own choices. You know, someone says there's a hurricane coming and you say, no, I'm going to hunker down, I'll be okay. And then you wonder why your house is flooded. Must be because God doesn't love you. No, he told you to leave town. He said there's a hurricane coming. But I do, I think about things like, what about things that, you know, there are no warnings. An earthquake happens underneath the sea, it blows up a tsunami and wipes out Japan, right? Or tornadoes that have very little warning at all. You know, last year in Kentucky, we had tornadoes. I had, you know, in Kentucky, actually not even been a full year, had people lose their houses, friends of mine. Or things like cancer that we can't understand. Uh, a good friend of mine just lose his wife to cancer, and they've got two boys at the house. Uh, some things we just, you know, we 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 see suffering so much around us, and and it happens, and and, and it, it leads to that question that's been being asked since the Greeks: How can a loving God? Be all-powerful and allow such suffering. I still, you know, it's funny, as I wrote this sermon, and then yesterday while I was waiting for something to um, load on the computer, I was flipping through my TikTok, and that same question, worded differently, was there on TikTok. And I thought, you know, no matter how much I say today in my sermon, I'm going to be leaving a lot out I don't know how they're going to ca- capture it in, you know, the 30-second TikTok video. <laughs> but the same idea, that same question is still being asked today. How can a loving God, and, and we're told in John 4 that God is love. How can a God that is love allow such suffering? I mean, we've, we, we see it every year. We're, we're getting ready for fire season that's coming up. That's going to cause suffering, right? How many people are going to lose their home this year? Look back in history. What about the Holocaust? What about disease like COVID? I mean, how many of you in this room could raise your hand and say, I lost someone that I know from COVID? I can raise my hand for that. What about children that don't have enough to eat? You know, every year, more than 4 million 
uh, referrals are made to child protection uh, agencies. More than 4.3 million children are included in that. The United States is one of the worst records in among the industrial na- nations dealing with child abuse and neglect, losing an average of five children every day to abuse and neglect. 68% of that will be by a family member. Suffering is awful, and it plagues us all. And as we think about these things that are in our lives, for some it seems like there's no answer. Others will decide that God can exist because He wouldn't allow such things if He did. For some, they'll decide that He can't be all-powerful. He just is. Some will say he's not all loving. In the end, what we're asking is theological and intellectual questions. And we're trying to find answers for hope. Nothing I'll say on an intellectual level today or a theological level. I'm going to give you some answers to some of those questions, but... They're not going to help you. If you are suffering, these are not things that are going to help you. On a theological and intellectual level, we can say, well, God is love. And being love, not being loving, not love is God, God is love. Being that, he wants to create beings in his image, which means we are love. But to do that, he has to give us the option of saying, I don't love. Isn't that a challenge? To think God has to allow us to not love in order that we love like him? Because... If it's just forced love, then it's not real love altogether, is it? So he has to say, in order for me to create creatures that love in the way that I love and show love to me, show love to others, show love to one another, in order to show that love, I have to give them the option to say, I don't love. I don't love you, God. I don't love my neighbor. I don't love my Self, I don't love. And too often we've taken that choice instead. Isn't that what we did at the very beginning, right? To say, I know better. Well, I don't know of you, God. I love myself more. I can be you. We can say, well, I don't love my neighbor. I love myself more than my neighbor, so I'm going to hurt them. I... I don't love my child who I'm going to abuse because I love my own self more, my own. I don't love my neighbor. I'm going to rape them instead because I want my own selfish desires.
And that's really one of the things. And it leads to unfortunate consequences. Even like the flood, the great flood that's found in, in, in the Bible, in Genesis, that was the result of love. You know, never in the Bible does that, is that references anger. It's not God being angry at us. He says he loved us so much that we can't continue on that path. And so he's given us the ability to love. And so, and, and when we said we didn't love, and back at the very beginning it says that the whole world was corrupt because of it. Does that help you if you're suffering? No, not really. That why doesn't help you at all. That's why when I'm counseling people, I ask, tell them to stop asking why, start asking what. What's your goal? What you going to do about it? What's your next steps? Because why is just a question that's going to lead nowhere. Why did God allow it? Well, they're very real. And some of these, these things, God allows things to happen because of our own choices. Some of it he allows to happen to strengthen us. We don't like that idea, right? God must make me suffer. I'm not, I'm not being strengthened. I look at, uh, at weightlifting. That's my thing, right? I weightlift. And uh, I think if I were to sit on my couch and lift the remote control and the Cheetos bag, and that's what I'm lifting... Guess what? I'm going to die from heart attack and lack of movement. Some of us have found ourselves in that position already, right? That's what you've been lifting for too many years. That choice has been you. But, but suffering can help us to grow. Every day I get out and I suffer by choice as I lift weights. And yes, uh, if you can, that doesn't hurt. Yes, it does. <laughs> Lifting weights hurts. It's supposed to. You're ripping your muscles. And they grow back. And in some ways, in some instances, that's what suffering is. Is God allowing you to go through something so that you grow? That's what James talks about suffering, right? He says... Uh, Rejoice in your suffering because it adds perseverance. Because that's how we grow. I think even if we didn't have suffering, we'd find a way to complain about how we're suffering. I mean, think about it Adam and Eve in the garden before things happening. God, there's that one tree. Why are you doing this to me? It's so much work to reach up and grab that fruit. Why don't you have someone else do it? I mean, suffering, we can say suffering happens because of our sin. We can say suffering happens because God allows it to happen to grow us. 
We can say suffering happens because that's just the way things work. We're dumb enough to be in a hurricane zone. You know, sometimes you get a flat tire and your car goes crazy and you crash and you die. That causes suffering, but it's not directly in fact that your car was just defaulty. That's how life happens. Now, those of you who are suffering in this room, do you feel better? Of course not. Of course not. All those whys don't help. The reality is, is that God, in the beginning, knew what was going to happen. And this static God, he's not static, he's, he's outside of time in another dimension in a way that I can't really decide, define. He has given us hope. He gave us hope because in the beginning, from the foundation of the world, there was going to be Jesus, the lamb that was slain. That's what Revelation says. And those who lived on the earth and worshipped him, everyone whose name is not written from the foundation of the world. The found, yeah, foundation of the world. That there was going to be a need for Jesus. Even though, think about that. Even though he knew it was going to cause him to suffer, he still went ahead and created us knowing that he's going to have to become flesh, Jesus Christ, die for our sins as the, to take away the punishment of our sin. How many would be willing to do that? Yeah. Knowing that. And that's because he loves us. He loves us that much that he, was, that he was, became flesh to die for us. And then, on top of that, this all-powerful God chose something. He chose to show his love. And he could have done it in any, all kinds of different ways. But he chose to show his love through you and through me. Limiting himself. Because now it's his choice. Now he's limited on what he can do because he has chosen to do it through you and me. So most of the time when people are suffering and they feel alone and they're not getting the help they need, it's not God's fault. It's where we've screwed up. Because he's chosen to do it through you and me. He doesn't... He didn't have to do it that way, but he chose to let you co-rule with him. That's why he says you're to be a nation of priests. 
not a tribe of Levites anymore. Of course, they were supposed to be a tribe of priests in the beginning anyways, but that's a different story. They became a tribe of Levites. Now he's saying, you're to be the nation of priests. Co-ruling with him. Co-ruling with him, showing the love of God to those around you. And think about some of the greatest sufferings. We, don't, we cannot accept that tectonic plates moved and that caused an earthquake and, and caused some suffering. We can accept that. We can accept, hey, I was dumb and sat too much and ate too much junk food, so now I've got heart problems. We accept that. But some of the worst suffering, the ones that get the hardest to take over, are the ones where someone else said, I don't love you and I am going to make you suffer because of my choices. See, we're the ones that failed. And then the church didn't, I'm not saying this church, the church, the body of believers, been too judgmental, too hurtful, too individualistic to get together and say, we're going to suffer with you. Because you want to know what helps people? Asking all that why isn't going to help someone. That's like Job. Remember the book of Job where they got all those sufferings? You know, that guy's suffering and he's suffering. And his friends get together and they sit with him for a while, right? They're good friends. They sit with him for a while in mourning. But then they start telling him things like, well, Job, if you weren't such a mess up, if your kids weren't so messed up, then this wouldn't have happened to you. None of that helps. None of that helps. You know, at the end of the book, God shows up to Job and he says, why are you questioning all this? Were you there? And he doesn't actually even answer the question why suffering happens. He leaves it hanging. He says, don't. All you need to do is stay faithful to me. And our job, our job is not to explain why suffering happens to suffering someone who's suffering, because as I already pointed out, that doesn't help anyways. It's to sit beside them and show God's love, because that's what he's chosen to show his love through. We who are suffering must say, I can't, there's some things in my life I can't change. I can't change there's a forest fire. I can't change that someone said, I don't love you, God, and I don't love you and decided to hurt me. I can't change their behavior. I can only change my behavior. And we as a church gather together to help grow and heal one another because that's how the love of God was chosen from the foundation of the world to be expressed so if you're suffering now don't suffer alone reach out for help if you see someone suffering don't judge them for their suffering. Join beside them. 
You know one thing I hate when you go to a funeral, right? You never know what to say. So you're like, what can I do for you? I mean, even I'm guilty of this sometimes. Is that helpful at all? Of course not. That's saying you've got more, all this responsibility going on because so you're suffering. So let me add more to it and let me know what I can tell you to do. They don't know. You don't know. No one knows what to do. All we know is that we can walk together as we suffer. And some people suffer in silence. And we don't know they're suffering unless you tell us. And some people are very visibly suffering and they feel all alone. Maybe because they have been all alone. They feel like no one cares. And all we can do is be there until they see you <laughs> and express the love of God because we love one another. Not letting ourselves be drug under, but lighthouses like Paul on this boat, a lighthouse of hope we will survive. So as we think about our next steps, we think about how can we, how can you come together and help those who are suffering? How can you be the lighthouse that God chose to show his love through? To someone that's suffering and I guarantee there's someone in your life that is suffering now if you're the one suffering your next step might be helping someone else because sometimes that's the best way to get over our own suffering is to stop thinking about ourselves but it may also be looking around and finding those people that are wanting to suffer with you that we have pushed away. Accepting the things that we can't change, right? And focusing on the good, the love, and the mercy on the things we can change. You can't change that someone didn't love you and hurt you. Even if they said, I love you. You can't change, but what you can do is say, I'm not alone. I don't have to be alone. What can I do to put my focus on the things of God, not the things of righteousness? That's what Philippians tells us, right? Focus on these things, not on the things of the world, not on the things of the wise, not on the why, will never solve your issue. What happens next? Father God, we pray right now. I pray for those who are suffering. Lord, I pray for those who have little suffering in their life, and I pray for those who have been broken and beaten and are suffering more than I can ever see. Lord, I pray that you bring healing in their life. Put their focus on not the whys that it happened and the whose fault and the blame, but on what happens next. What is my focus? I am not alone. 
Lord, let us be the lighthouse to shine their, your love on them. Lord, we see that you have given us a huge responsibility, a responsibility that many times we have failed at. Help us to show your love to the world that is suffering around us, to those who are suffering in our midst as we want to be your lighthouse, your love shine through us. Oh, Lord, open our eyes to those who are suffering around us, even in silence. Give us ways in which we can use the gifts that you have given us to come beside them as we suffer together, as we love, as we love you. Help us to love. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.